Good evening, everyone. How are we doing? Great. Um, it, oh, that was loud. Hello. Um, it's so good to be with you, you here. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Jen. Um, and I'm really excited to be sharing you tonight as we begin at the 6, although we've already begun it at our other gatherings for a few weeks now, um, a kind of summer series on the Psalms. Um, so I know, I know a lot of people would, here would say Psalms, but I don't say that. I say Psalms, kind of like Sam right here. So tonight we're looking at Psalms. Um, and the book of Psalms is this beautiful poetic book in the Old Testament where the authors bring their worship, their prayers, their devotion, and often their protest to God. Um, it's a book where we see hearts poured out for the, to the Lord. Um, so I've spoken, chosen to speak on Psalm 84 this evening, and I want us to explore the theme of home. Sorry, I'm very bad at holding this in the same place, so it's doing a funny thing. But um, the theme of home and ask, what does it mean to make our home with God? Um, what does it mean to find security in Jesus, to be constantly rooted, devoted, and tuned into him with an acute awareness that God wants to dwell inside of us and move through us um, every day? Um, so we'll have a look at the background of the psalm, how it can be applied in the context as followers of Jesus today, and then consider some of the barriers that might stop us from living in the full intimacy, um, in full intimacy with God, and what we can do to overcome those and allow our home and our roots to be completely grounded in Jesus. Um, so this psalm's pretty well known, and it talks about what it means for us to long and to, to be with God. It talks about that heart connection, because so often... Um, we do so many religious things and we try so hard in hope that we'll be good enough and have a taste of God and that he'll be pleased with us. Um, but this psalm goes past that to talk about a real passion that comes from simply dwelling with God. Um, and as I was considering what it means to be at home with God, I considered what home looks like for me and I was hit with a ton of things. Um, I have a lot of places in my life um, that feel like home. And in fact, if we're talking about physical homes, Two days ago, um, I moved into my 14th home that I've had in the past six years alone. Um, so I count home as anywhere that I've lived long enough to, to receive post, which um, varies from home to home. Um, but it means I've experienced a lot of trying to make somewhere new feel like home and learned the importance of making sure I have somewhere I can unwind and instantly relax. Um, I think of home, I think home feels like home when I don't feel tense or an edge. Um, often with some emotional attachment, it's quite familiar. Um, but when I consider this and think about my home with Jesus, I wonder if Jesus is as familiar. How well do I know his character? Is his presence somewhere I feel I can relax and be myself entirely? Is it somewhere I can enter confidently? And although I can answer those questions more affirmatively than I once did, I'm personally challenged by how often I fall flat and make my home somewhere else and find comfort in my idols. And what this passage talks about is the fact that no matter where we find our home, it's never going to be better than the home we find with Jesus. Anything we choose to find comfort in, to trust us that isn't the Lord, will not satisfy us in that same way that dwelling with him will. Um, when we seek God's presence, sometimes we're instantly healed, we're comforted, and we can tangibly, tangibly feel and trust that the Holy Spirit is leading us and guiding us and holding us. Um, other times, God feels far and distant and getting words out and spending time with him in his presence can feel heavy, and I think it's good to acknowledge that. But ultimately, if we love him as our rock and surrender to him through good times and bad, he will dwell in us. Um, he 
will work powerfully through our lives, regardless of whether we feel it straight away. Um, so I want to tune into the crux of this passage, which is the most famous part, I think, um, and then we'll backtrack a little later. But one, the one verse I really want to focus on um, this evening is verse 10. Um, so if you have that in front of you, but it's better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Um, this is a beautiful, challenging bit of scripture. Better is one day near you than anything else I could ever imagine. I love the way the message translation puts it. It says, better is one day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship. Um, it beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. And I mentioned this to Nicola and she said, no, that's not right. It's actually Bermudan beaches. So um, whatever beaches you imagine, or if there's somewhere else that feels like heaven on earth that you'd rather dwell in, one day with God is more valuable than thousands without him, no matter how luxurious those other days sound. Because when we're with God, when we're without God, we feel incomplete. Without God, we're trapped in our sin. Without God, our life has no eternal purpose, and we aren't fulfilling our destiny for which we were created to fulfill. But what I find so cool is that although we talk about how we should long to be a doorkeeper at the house of God, we can actually no longer be satisfied just to be a doorkeeper. Like, yes, being a doorkeeper and spending our lives close to the presence of God is what we should want. And life is so, so much better than being away from him. But actually, because of Jesus, the invitation is actually to come in. The invitation is to enter the house of our God. Um, when the psalm was written, the Holy Spirit was not readily available like it is today, and the temple courtyard was as close to most, as most people could go to the presence of God. It was only the priest who could enter the temple once a year into the holies of holies. So when this was written, entering the temple courts, dwelling and making home in those courts meant making home as close as possible to the presence of God. The, the psalmist even expresses jealousy in verse 3 that the sparrows get to make their home in the temple walls so they get closer to the presence of God than anyone else. But our invitation now is to go further than the courts. It's for us to enter the holies of holies to make our dwelling place the presence of God. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. The top to bottom, the veil that separated the courtyard from God's presence was no longer only available for priests. Um, so actually what this psalm is setting out for us is not enough because we can be totally fulfilled by the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day and commune with him and dwell with him and bring him wherever we choose to dwell. Um, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? We are now that temple that the psalmists are longing to be in. His presence is a home that we carry and can welcome others into. It is an authority. So yes, being a doorkeeper is wonderful, but actually, I want to go further in. We can go further in, and our entire beings can make our home with God. Um, and of course, all of us are in different places when it comes to our relationship with God and how at home we feel with God. And I don't believe we've ever made it, so to speak, when our relationship with God, like there's always so much more of his character that he's revealing to us. Um, for some of us, dwelling with God and spending time in his presence is just more familiar than others. Um, I certainly don't dwell with God or invite him in anywhere near as much as I want to. Um, but when I was a child, um, the Holy Spirit really wasn't talked about. And like in my church, in my family, and um, the idea of having a relationship with God was just completely foreign to me. Um, 
I learned about God. I prayed to him that he might help me or like me um, or see me as worthy as one day letting me into heaven. Um, but I wasn't aware of the, his presence um, or the power of actively seeking him. I didn't understand that God would speak to me. He would work through me. I didn't know that I could enjoy God, his presence. I remember the first time I felt the Holy Spirit and I met with me and I remember thinking like, how have I spent the last 15 years of my life missing out on this? Like, this is insane. Like, this is wonderful. Like, how many times a day do we forget in the day to day that we can do things with God, that his presence dwells inside of us and we can make our home partnering with him in every moment and that's meant to be our reality. He isn't a visitational God like he was in the temple. He's a habitational God. He doesn't visit us once a year and then leave us when we do something wrong. We don't need to live in fear of dwelling with him. He loves us while we're still sinners. He loves us the same way he loves Jesus. And God never withheld any part of himself from Jesus. In John 17, 22 to 23, Jesus prays, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that we, they may be as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Sometimes we forget the position that we have in God. The Father doesn't see us how we used to be. Um, when he sees us, he sees us through the lens of Jesus. When he looks at us, he sees Jesus, his beloved son. Jesus has full access to the Father through the Holy Spirit, and so do we. Um, his love and his presence is never, ever withheld from us as a form of discipline. Um, if we come to the Father with fear in our hearts, how then will we have a relationship with him? How will we trust that he's good? How will we trust that he wants to use us out of love for us and our love for him? Psalm 9, verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God's never said no to those who want to be with him. And when we seek him and choose to live a life dwelling with him, we're taking a leap of faith to trust him rather than to trust ourselves. We don't need to fear because God sees us like he sees Jesus um, and he won't abandon us. We don't need to just go near his presence like the sons of Korah in this psalm. Or, psalm, oh, I just said it kind of like English. Oh, I didn't like that, sorry. Um, <laughs> we can live in its fullness. Um, so this is sorry, like the sons of Korah we're yearning for. Yeah, we, we can live in its fullness. Um, but so often we're distracted from God's presence. Like I battle with an abundance of distractions and idols that try to take me away from the truth that Jesus is my security, my home, my firm foundation, because it's just so easy to be swayed and put our home in security um, in someone else or something else or ourselves. And with the uncertainty that life has brought in the past few years, it's really not surprising that we have been challenged more than ever about where our hope and our reality um, really is. And I think it's helpful to acknowledge that we face more distractions from Jesus than ever before. Um, the average person today um, processes, there's like mixed statistics about this, but it's 74 gigabytes of information in a day, um, or like, which is about 16 movies. And that figure goes up by five, five megabytes each year. Um, and 500 years ago, a highly educated person would consume that much information um, in their entire life. So we have a manifold of distractions. So it's really not surprising that so many of us are adrift and confused and spend so much time away from the courts of the Lord that so many see consumerism as the answer to our identity problem. 
We live in a culture of loneliness and brokenness as individuals continually try to find purpose and meaning within themselves. The world's distractions are filled, like, filled with narratives that you can change your world and that you can be your own security and that you must work for you and you and you only. Um, me above it all. The world doesn't give a constant stream of information that actually Jesus reigns above it all. We're faced with decisions every day of do we pursue Jesus and eternity or do we pick an easy short-term reward that suits me and me alone when I'm in control until I'm not. And when we live in the way where we're the main character, as TikTok so often tells me that that's the life I should be living, um, it's up to us to make us a secure home and our sinful nature rules without in holy intervention. And if everything goes wrong, our world's destroyed. We cannot be our own rock. And I don't want to live like that. Like, I do not want to live like that. Um, how do we want to live? Do we want to live with our security um, rooted in ourselves? Do we want to live with our security rooted in the world? Maybe we'll add a sprinkle of Jesus on top of that too. Or do we want to make our home with Jesus so we're not swayed by the distractions of the world? So that no matter what comes our way, um, we still have our home and are never alone. Um, John Ertberg, in his book, Soul Keeping, says, The soul seeks God with its whole being because it is desperate to be whole. The soul is God-smitten and God-crazy and God-obsessed. My mind may be obsessed with idols. My will may be enslaved to habits. My body may be consumed with appetites, but my soul will never find rest until it rests in God. My soul will never find rest until it rests in God. And that's what we're called into. In John 15, verse 5, when Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. As Christians, we're called to bear fruit. And often we get caught up with the idea of pursuing that and making that happen. But if we actually listen to what Jesus is saying, he's simply saying, if you stay with me, if you make your home with me, if you abide in the vine, living intimately with me, you'll bear fruit and do wonderful things for me and my kingdom, naturally. And, if he's, and he says, if we don't do that, nothing much will actually come out of our lives. Just abide in him, remain in him. And making our home with God can seem so overwhelming. It can appear as hard work and just another thing to channel our energy into. Um, often we talk about practical ways to dwell with God, like pray every day, read your Bible every day, etc., and those things are wonderful. They are amazing. In fact, the most transformative practice in my relationship with Jesus was in my discipleship school, where they forced us to get up at 6 a.m. every morning to spend an hour with Jesus for six months. And I literally was like, oh my gosh, like, can't do this. Like, what are we going to do for all this time? So I started off with a lot of, like, prayer and Bible reading. But actually, as our, as, as our relationship developed, and as those hours, I realized it was actually quite a lot of hours, um, I realized there was, so much, there was time for so much more. And it, so it also consisted of me being like, hey, God, like, I'm tired, let's hang out. Or, hey, Holy Spirit, I want to spend some time with you. I'm going to go on a walk with you. I'm going to worship you. Um, because if we aren't careful and we do those things out of necessity, they can become religious burdens that we feel we must do to prove ourselves to him. Like, oh, like a checking that good Christian box. I've read my Bible. I've prayed. Um, and when that happens, our longing and joyful anticipation to be with God that's expressed in this psalm um, becomes dread. 
Because when we don't dwell with God in a freedom mindset, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to move and we don't allow our burdens to be fully lifted and carried or for God to guide us. Rather, we compartmentalize because we're too afraid of giving God reign over our whole lives to intervene in every area of bringing our home with Jesus into each area that we step into. And a lot of this comes back to trust. Do we trust that God's ways in our life is the better way in all areas? Dwelling in God's house should be so liberating and light. It should be full of intimate moments with God, like we need heart moments. I wanna know who invented the phrase quiet time because when it comes to spending time with God, I'm sure we definitely do need quiet time, but it doesn't always have to consist of like quiet moments. Like you can be loud with God and you can, you know, talk to him loudly and worship him. And like, it doesn't have to be that set structure. There's, there's so much freedom in how we can encounter God in little moments. And I think the important thing is that we're retreating to be with our father as Jesus did. Um, yeah, being Christians isn't about our qualifications, but about a relationship with Jesus where our hearts are tuned into his, where each day, day we say, Holy Spirit, how can I become more like you today? And when we go back to the psalm, it gives us several examples of what seeking and pursuing God and what that heart posture actually looks like. It firstly says that we must desire his presence. Verse two says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my fresh flesh cry out for the living God. Can you imagine what it'd be like if every morning we woke up and fainted with anticipation and desire for God's presence? Like, I'm not suggesting that we try to make ourselves faint, um, but the psalmist is suggesting that we could get so excited about being close to God that we actually have an overwhelming reaction of joy, like, every time. Like, we cry out to our Father. It's not a cry of anguish. It's a cry for God. It's a cry of joy. Seeking that heart relationship, we long for God. We yearn for his presence. We must desire his presence. Um, another thing that it says is we must worship and thank him. Um, verse four says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. We must worship God. We must thank him. We need to focus on what he's given us, not harboring bitterness towards what might not have even happened yet. Never letting our dreams get bigger than our relationship with God. Worshiping him brings his presence. It brings our focus onto him and not our lack. We can focus on everything we seem to have around us and still feel empty. It's his presence that brings joy and satisfaction and those who are dwelling in his house are praising him. Another thing we need for this heart relationship is a commitment through the highs and lows. So in verse five, it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you whose hearts are set in pilgrim on pilgrimage. So what does it mean to have our hearts set on pilgrimage? What does it mean to seek joy with him in pilgrimage? This is talking about the journey to the house of the Lord, saying blessed are those who actively choose to seek communion with God, actively walking on the roads to his presence. By having our sole desire to love God and be on this journey with him, we are eagerly desiring not only his presence some of the times, but through all seasons, through all highs and lows. And through highs and lows on the journey, God can transform them into blessings and he promises to do that. Um, and often we hear about famous Christians who've done incredible things and think, gosh, why doesn't God work through us in that way? 
but often if you look at those stories, you'll actually find out that <laughs> like most I can think of have had seasons where they're in the desert, where their life was actually really boring or really difficult, and they, were, they find that God was really hard to discern. And they kept on with God, trusting him, even when life was confusing and uncertain. And in that season, God was preparing them for what's to come in ways that they didn't know or couldn't imagine because their hearts were set on the whole journey with God, not a destination, but in actually just communing with him each day. And as a result, God worked through that. And moments of intimacy might be in our physical houses, but they can also be spontaneous times and God is creative. So for me, I have really profound moments of intimacy with God um, when I go on adventures with God. Um, often I just say like, God, what should we do today? Um, and when like things like when I used to drive um, to Scotland, I would spend hours in the car just being with God. Like anytime I was in the car by myself, I'd get in the car and I'd feel like the Holy Spirit was just like there. I'd be like, okay, where are we going? Like I'd be driving to work and be like, oh, like it was a really refreshing moment where I just knew that like we're having communion, like God and I. Um, sometimes have no clue where I was going and just drive and find myself in random locations. But God would reveal to me, reveal things to me and speak to me during those times. And it was really fun. Um, my soul was refreshed from his presence. And when I used to live in the Highlands, I had two mountains that were my God mountains. Um, and I used to walk up there. Um, there was no one else up on those mountains. And I just have really like profound moments with God. And sometimes there'd be moments of joy. And other times there'd be moments of real pain where I'd actually just cry and actually yell and allow him to heal me. Um, God's creative and he speaks to us individually in ways that we hear. Um, so I recommend experimenting and just seeing like where you feel close to God. Like now obviously I don't live near mountains. So sometimes my times of real intimacy like have had to change. So I've had to experiment and be like, okay, God, where am I going to make sure that I'm having those times of intimacy? And like, me journaling and running has become like a lot more profound and how I experience God just because like I've had to find new ways but God's, God's always going to find ways to speak to us it's never going to be like okay Jennifer you don't live near a mountain I'm not going to speak to you anymore like it doesn't work like that um yeah so we see evidence in Genesis in Eden that God has always wanted to hang out with us um, it says, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, which is a curious phase for, like, phrase for many reasons. But one of them is what can you do with, some, with something you do with someone you care about? It's not really about the walk usually. It's usually about being with the person. Um, so from the start, and back then, like, God wanted to dwell with us. Like, his design's always been to make his home with us. Um, I'm about to come into land, as they say. Um, fasten your seatbelt signs. No, no, what's the phrase? Seatbelt signs. Yeah, anyway. Cabin crew, preparing for landing. That's it. Uh, <laughs> um, I was once taught to pray, God, increase your confidence in your, increase my confidence in your desire to be with me. God, increase my confidence in your desire to be with me. Oh, once we know that God wants to dwell with us, we can be more and more confident in making our home with him and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to us more. Um, let's ask God to increase our passion for him, and we can trust that he will. But we must also nurture that by spending time in his presence. Let's seek him in the everyday and passionately invite him along on the journey, becoming more aware of his presence so that our security can be found in him. I want to finish as well with another quote from 
John Ertberg, who's, who's really cool, um, he says, your soul will never find rest until it finds its home. We find it in the simply daily discipline of asking ourselves, is God here in this moment? And if he is not, who can be? So the invitation here is to make our home with God and long for him like the sons of Korah here. It's to say no to the distractions and idols that beg us each day to put them before God. It's to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts to access all areas of our lives, to check in with God throughout all our activities, to remove the fear of dwelling with God and trusting that he can transform us and that, in every, that every moment spent dwelling with him is better than anything else on our agenda and that he can just bring him along into that. And as verse 12 says, we'll be blessed when we trust God and make our home with him. So yeah, why don't I just pray before we move on to worship? Um, yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Yeah, Father, thank you that we can access you 24 hours a day, Lord, that, that your, your presence is just so, so available for us, Lord. Thank you that you want to dwell with us and that you want to make a home with us. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would come and minister to each of us, that we would, we would seek you, Lord. I pray that we'd know that truth, Lord. I pray you'd take away all fear of your presence, Lord, and actually just replace that with love. Jesus, I pray that we would know that. So, Holy Spirit, would you come? Jesus, I pray we'd find new joy in your presence tonight, but also throughout the week, throughout our months, throughout our years, just throughout the whole of our lives, Jesus, that we have our hearts set on pilgrimage towards you. Yeah, come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.